You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hey there, welcome to episode 101 of Push the Point, presented by Mash Those Buttons, your source for Overwatch League news, player storylines, updates, and more for season four of the Overwatch League. I am your host, Ramsey's, joined with my buddy, my partner in crime, Lobosco, fresh out of some very irritating ranked games, shall we say, but uh, we're here. <laughs> yeah, we're here. That's the best part, because even if that didn't go well, the games that happened this past week were really good, so... We got plenty we of paid good the things price. to talk about, right? We we paid the price. It's okay. We it's you can thank us later. <laughs> um, a couple bits of housekeeping, really quick, just to make sure we ever have everything going forward. Uh, mash those buttons. Game night. So the Overwatch game night is going to be this Saturday, uh, May eighth. Uh, come in for some fun. We do some quick plays a little bit. Um, when we have enough people, we do six v six pickup games, and it's super fun. And mm-hmm. if not, it's a cool place to come and chill and rank. There's a ton of great people, or not chill and rank. I'm sorry, we chill and quick play together. It's it's a good time. I've we've had a really good time the past couple um, game nights with a lot of different amounts of people, and uh, we yeah. highly invite you to join us in the Mash Those Buttons Discord at Discord dot me slash mash those buttons follow us on twitter at push point pod leave us an email at push the point at gmail.com and watch a stream on sundays like you might be right now at twitch.tv slash mash those buttons 7 p.m labosco two very very quick pieces of news uh, and then we'll get into the actual games this week because we have an extended platter of games to cover um really quick uh, we knew that last week Dante got subbed out, or maybe not subbed out. Dante took um, a break during one of the games last week. Uh, we heard a story about him having emergency surgery, and we didn't really have all the details. Um, he posted a tweet longer afterwards. Um, it's a pretty serious, a pretty serious procedure. Uh, I don't know if it's really my place to say what happened with it, but it's. We're happy that he nothing life threatening necessarily, but we're happy that he caught it early and that he's uh, going to be good to go for the foreseeable future. It, it's um, it's weird because it's something that can just happen. Like you don't have to really do anything to do it. Um, I'm, 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 it's called torsion, and yeah. it's just it just can happen. Like you you don't even have to uh, do anything to really make it to to cause it to happen like some people will have it happen during sporting inter- you know, when they're playing sports or something like that just walking can make it happen if you're a guy so it's a very weird thing that can happen to to someone but it's very painful and something that medically needs to be taken care of and and you need it to be taken care of if it happens so i i think the good part about it is that it can kind of raise awareness for people that if that mm-hmm. happens to you don't just sit there and let the you know there be pain get it taken yeah. care of yeah, get that taken care of as soon as you can. Um, another thing too, another thing too to look at was apparently, and I don't know if I, I maybe I missed what actual day this is, but apparently uh, we're going to have a one v one tournament on Watchpoint on uh, Thursday the sixth, so the the first day of May Melee at six p.m. Pacific time. So during Watchpoint, um, we're gonna get a couple of fun one v ones. So not a tournament, excuse me, but a couple fun 1v1 matches. Um, Sideshow versus Yaki, the far 1v1 rematch. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, 
which I get, I just I need to see if Sideshow can pull it off again this time. I know Yaki kind of gave it to him last year. Um, my favorite part of today was uh, Gangnam Jin in, in, in an interview with Danny. Danny wanted to ask him about what he thought about Yaki's chances against Sideshow was, but uh, Gangnam Jin didn't know who Sideshow is. Oh, so, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that was pretty um, funny. Far versus sorry, Fleta versus Carpe on the mystery DPS 1v1, which should be a really good time. And Jonak versus Alarm Zenyatta 1v1, which I think is probably going to be the main one I'm excited about. The, Between the three of them, the Jonak versus Alarm. Yeah, I, I am. I don't know. Like, like 1v1s are weird, so I'm excited for it. But at the same time, um, 1v1s are one of those things where it's like it doesn't really tell us a whole lot. Um, mm-hmm. especially too, because there's like far away 1987 and like Violet and a bunch of other guys who I think could uh maybe give these guys a run for their money, but it will be fun. So I think that's the best part about it. Looking forward to it. That's going to be this Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, two highlight stories before we go into this week's games. First up, we want to take a brief look to cover the Washington Justice versus the Toronto Defiant. Friday's match between the Washington Justice and the Toronto Defiant looked to be a major decider for the May Melee standings and for power in Al's upper card. Washington came in hot off of three straight wins and looking like one of NA's best teams so far, while the Defiant had so far played well above their perceived low preseason rating. This matchup looked like a good measuring stick to see which of these teams would lock down a spot as one of NA's best and which would settle back into the middle. Map 1 Oasis was highly competitive. Mag's highly aggressive Winston play determined the outcome of most fights. When not dealt with immediately, he regularly picked off and pushed away high value targets from the Defiance support line. But when he overextended, Toronto quickly eliminated him. When Toronto's Ryan Diva Brawl composition battled DC's double bubble dive, Defiant's larger health pool and stamina saw them hold the point to 99%. Washington held strong and capitalized on Defiant's key timing mistakes to secure the map win. The Justice initially stalled out on point B of their first run on Anubis, before a perfectly timed hack blocked Hisu's EMP and swung the fight for DC. On their push, Toronto couldn't seem to crack Washington's rock-solid point one defense. Assassin and Decay rained down damage from the high ground while Mag and Fury locked down choke points. The map ended when an apparent miscommunication between the Defiant players left no one to touch the point and gave the Justice a win on map 2, Z9. Blizzard World was the same story. Toronto couldn't shake the Justice off of point A. Decay absolutely dominated on Ash, spacing out Hisu and Nast while draining the Toronto tank line's health pool. Even when Toronto came close to capturing the point, Justice used a slow trickle strategy to hold the point and secure the win. The defining moment came when Hisu was hacked out of his EMP for a second time, this time by the Washington DPS Jerry. Washington took the win and sealed a 4-0 record for the main melee standings. Toronto still looks good, but seems to be suffering from communication and ultimate usage issues. 
So this first game, I think Toronto had a very interesting weekend, I would say. Uh, after week one, a lot of people, I think, got pretty high on them, thinking like, hey, these guys might make a run at near the top of the card. But this was, I think, the first of two games we saw them play where they really kind of evened out a little bit. Uh, them versus Washington was really fun, especially because Washington, we were trying to figure out, is this like a for sure um, is this a for sure elite team or maybe an upper mid card? And I think getting to see these two guys clash, we learn a little bit more about what the balance of power is. I don't think we learned North American. I don't, I don't know if we learned that much, honestly. Um, I think we just learned that Toronto is not at the top and we know Washington is at least uh, above Toronto. Like Washington up until this point has only played Dallas, at, who who is a team that that like people had high expectations coming into the season for. So for mm-hmm. me, like this is a this is sort of confirming what some of the thoughts I had were that Washington is definitely in that that upper echelon, but that Toronto is maybe not quite there yet. The it, it was a the, the it wasn't like a super crazy three zero, but it was a pretty pretty solid 3-0 from Washington that kind of told you yeah they are um they are definitely not in that like mid-tier level mm. um I think it was really marked by like something you saw from Toronto all weekend was that there's some pretty significant ability timing mistakes or ultimate timing mistakes um stuff where the stuff gets popped just a bit too early or they hold on to stuff for a little bit too long the the worst one i think and poor dude hisu gets stunned out of a hisu gets stunned out of emps twice right as he's about to ha- right as he's about to pop them the first, i think both of them are manual hacks too like the samba had to walk up and physically hack him it oh man stuff like that um you saw some ultimate usage i think with um whether it was the window or even with some of nice stuff with the pulse bomb, like Toronto has a lot of skill. This is a re- this team has a lot of talent on it, but it's still really raw. There's still a lot of miscommunication going on. It, it, it does seem like there is ability there. It's just whether or not they'll have the execution to go along with it. And there still remains to be seen, I guess, the question of are they, do they have enough talent everywhere to really compete with the top teams? And I don't think any of those questions were really answered yet. It's so early on in the season. It's a tough way for them to lose there at the end. But at the same time, it's like, man, you're going against a really good team in Washington. Like Washington, people are really high on. So you you almost sort of expected this to be the outcome of the game. So mm-hmm. it, it it's it's too early to put too many things on this game. But at the same time, it shows that there is that gap. For sure. Well, we're going to move on to our second highlight game of the week. Uh, I think one of the first, if not one of our big knockout games from the APAC division, uh, this one is Shanghai Dragons versus Philadelphia Fusion. Sunday's opening May melee knockout game between the Shanghai Dragons and the Philadelphia Fusion started the day with an incredible opening act. The Dragons of the Fusion would slug it out in a six-map banger, with the Shanghai Dragons coming out on top in an early contender for the Season 4 Game of the Year. Each team's star-studded roster made incredible plays as the series went on. The Dragons would take the early lead on Nepal thanks to a nifty Symmetra comp on the first point and an efficient rush comp on the third point. The competition was so tight that neither team could come out on top, which led to a 2-2 map draw. 
The Fusion would even the score to 1-1 one one on Eichenwald with a key second-point defensive hold. Carpe's McCree controlled the castle high ground, and a crucial flank from Carpe helped them push the cart to the golden box of victory. On Havana, it looked like the Fusion had found their footing. They managed a full hold on their defense and then cruised on their attack to go up 2-1. to one. Shanghai would respond with a haymaker on Ilios. The fusion would open the map with a crushing first point win on Lighthouse, and almost well. But despite the odds, a last ditch effort from the Dragons DPS Fleta and Lip brought the team back into the fight and pushed the map to ruins. Another Dragons point win would force map 6 to one of Shanghai's best maps, Watchpoint Gibraltar. Gibraltar would be the thrilling conclusion to the map with both teams pushing to the end on their first attempt, but with Fusion earning a larger time bank. The Dragon's smaller time bank didn't matter as their single minute was enough to push the cart almost the entire map. The Dragons ignored Philly's much larger time bank and shut down their push, even with Carpe's late game heroics keeping them alive through the first point. The Dragons now advanced to what looks like an exciting finish to the May Melee. Alrighty, so I know going into this, we had pretty much, a lot of people had kind of made their minds up that Philadelphia was the best team in APAC. Um, but this was a super, super tight game. It was back and forth the entire time. I mean, you think about the control points, especially were super tightly contested, but Shanghai manages to come out with both of them. I mean, they both owe 1-1. Um, the first one, Shanghai wins the first map, then then you have um, Philly win the second, and then the third point on uh, on the c first control, which was uh, Nepal. Uh, there's like that rush comp that Shanghai plays that they kind of just dominate on, like they play really well. Uh, then there's a draw, like, like just the way that everything was going. Like there was nothing that was easy. Like even the last map wasn't easy. You talk about a crazy end to a game. Where you got like Carpe clutching up at different points to keep Philadelphia going, but then Philly also finishes with this much bigger time bank. You just think that Philly's going to be able to run away with it, but the Shanghai Dragons are able to persevere through it all. I mean, they were down 2 1 as well. Like, yeah, they won the first map, but Philadelphia Fusion, and it's not like, oh, you know, as you heard, as you heard Blaze and Bob say, they full held on Havana for Philly. Like, they were up 2 1 dominant fashion to get to that 2 1. You, you just, you think the series is over and it just shows the resilience of a team like Shanghai. Like there's, there's clearly something else about this team. The fact that they're able to, I don't think play necessarily a great game uh, at certain points and still be able to overcome how they were playing and then play really well on maps that, that really mattered. For sure. And they hit that timing perfectly. Cause now you're coming in hot into our actual main melee tournament, which we'll discuss seeding for in a second. It's one of those things where looking at the timeline in the morning or looking, I guess, my Twitter feed in the morning, just seeing people go back and forth. I'm like, oh my gosh, Carpe is so good. Oh my gosh, Flood is so good. Oh my God. Like just the back and forth of like, almost seeming like each team was just getting better. Like each, the performances were just getting crazier and crazier as the series went on. It, it was really about who was going to be able to uh, make the, the crucial play at the right time. Because like we saw Carpe have a couple of incredible flanks that that helped them win maps like Eichenwald. It comes down to the wire 
for that map. And the reason they win is because Carpe distracts enough players on Shanghai on a flank that yeah, he didn't really get any kills, but he pulls attention away. And then the rest of Philadelphia fusion collapses on and then wins the map as time's expiring. Like there was a lot of good things that Philly did to be in the map. Same thing with Shanghai. Like Lip, Fleta specifically, I both thought really were important for their team winning at a lot of points. And, and I think it, there's an unsung hero a little bit in these games, too, for Shanghai, somebody who hasn't been talked about as much as some of the other players on the team. But I think Fate has actually been an OK tank up until this point. Like he is competing with people like Mono. So mm-hmm. he's doing pretty darn good. Like he's the guy who who maybe doesn't get the the lion won't get the lion's share of like why they won that game because like Izaki popped off, Lip popped off, Fleta popped off, Lip specifically. I mean, going against Carpe in a widow v widow, that's nuts. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like that is those are the things you need to be able to do in order to be one of the great teams in the league, and that's what Shanghai did. Now I saw people try and levy the. I saw people come forward with the idea that Mono started off really hot in the series and degraded a little bit over time. Do you find that to be true or? I think they just attacked Mono better for Shanghai. I think they just made his life more difficult. I think putting it like, oh, like Mono petered off. It's like, well, why is Mono petering off, right? One of the reasons particularly is Alarm had a a little bit of a rough time because they made his life difficult. Like Mm -hmm. Alarm, Alarm made some big plays and kept them in the game, but I feel like I feel like sometimes Philadelphia are relying too much on like either alarm or uh, Carpe to kind of do everything. Ra- I thought Rascal played well, though, too. Like Rascal, I-, I think for the guys who are newer, it's kind of like integrating them in like hot butt too. like I-, I really think that that the bigger problem maybe with Philadelphia is like you just need a little bit more from those two guys who are new to playing with this team as a whole. I think they'll get there. I just think it's a little bit early and and they're just not quite 100% on the same page as everybody all the time when it's a game like this. Well, time to go into our week three recap. And probably this is the most crowded weekend of Overwatch we've had, I think, since last year. Um, Back to the four day schedule. Uh, Something we haven't talked about, I think, on the show yet that I really like. The fact that we aren't doing halftime breaks between games is really, really nice. I think they started doing that part way through last year, right? I think is when it started. I don't remember that last year. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think last year is when they started doing it. But no, I agree. It it, it makes the game go by faster, right? Like it doesn't drag out. Like there's still like a little break, I think, like after like the third map or something, like the teams take a little extended break, but it's not, it's like a minute more or two minutes more. It's not anything substantial. It just, and then you do the game breaks at the end of the games. Like it's, it's helped a lot, but going yeah. into the actual games this uh, this week, Thursday had Atlanta rain 3-0-ing Paris Eternal. Atlanta kind of came in more, I think, with a fire with a fire under their seats a little bit to make sure that they actually made it to May Melee this week. Uh, really, just strong 3-0 of Paris. Like no, no buts about it. Just very strong win. Yeah, it the. The Eternal ha- have been able to take a couple maps here and there and definitely are one of the better teams towards the bottom and can compete. Like, I think Oni God has looked per- still pretty good again. Um, D- Don, Dan, Dan, however you want to say it, has looked <laughs> really, really good, too, on the main tank, like has been able to get some crucial shatters and stuff to help the team out. It, it just seems like um, 
I feel like they've got a, a little bit more of working together to maybe go through, but um, it does seem like there's maybe still some talent gap issues that they're going to have to deal with. Cause like, especially in this series in particular, Kai really came on strong for Atlanta yeah. and like we saw him the entire time, which was really nice too. So I thought that was super nice to see. And I thought Gator and Hawk played a very good uh, game against Paris. For sure. I know having Kai in makes it so much of a difference. Like that's a guy who can take whole games by himself, can just lead charges by himself. So I'm happy that they got to have him in a little bit. Well, that they chose to put him in a little bit more. We also saw Pelican a little bit in on the Brigitte, which has been kind of something we've seen a couple teams, mainly just Houston. I think really pull as far as having a DPS in on your brig. Um, But Going on to next game, Washington Justice 3-1 over Boston Uprising. This game a little bit closer, or closer is not the right word. This game was fun. Boston played really tough the entire mm-hmm. time. Um, and they a point that was made to me that I really liked is they played what they wanted. It didn't feel like they were smushed into having to play something meta-dependent. They played exactly what they wanted to play. Um, and it didn't work necessarily. They still lost 3-1, but you could tell that Boston is better. At least Boston, this is a higher caliber Boston squad than we've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Punk seems to still be locking down the off tank spot for now. Um, we might see Gail Boosie later this year. I don't know. Um, they look pretty good. Valentine and 937 look to be getting better and better each time we see them. Yeah. Working better together, too. Youngbung, I think, is still like the unsung hero of this team, though. Like, I don't know about you, but like as far as like support play goes, like I always look and watch him play and I, I always feel like he's doing a lot of work for his team. I thought him and Valentine in particular were like the two standouts. And actually mm-hmm. stand one stood out a little bit to me too. I thought he played a pretty good tank game. Um not just in the game against Washington, but when he played uh in the the next Boston game as well. I thought stand one was standing out sometimes and um you know especially when you consider like on the other side Mags Winston is like gotta be in the conversation for one of the best Winstons in the league. Yeah, but uh, the Reinhardt is maybe leaving some things to be desired. Looking at Guangzhou versus LA Valiant, three uh, L, pretty standard. I know I kind of fell into the trap of thinking like, you know, like Valiant might win this, Valiant might take this, and then we remember that Guangzhou played Seoul and Shanghai as their last two games. So like, there's a very clear difference in the caliber of people that in the caliber of like teams they've played. Yeah, um, straight the straight three O there. Soul Dynasty 3-0 over New York Excelsior. This one, pretty solid too. Prof, it seems like Soul's kind of warming up a little bit as we get further and further into the season. They're getting better. Um, I, I also think too, they match up really well against New York. Like you think about the the players that you need. Uh, like they, they they had a lot more freedom too. Like the the, the maps that ended up being played, like Marvell. Reinhardt got to show that off and played it super good. Like that's why you put him out there on Lijang and they're able to win that with no problems. And then you go right back over to gesture and then gesture takes you the rest of the way on whatever sort of dive tanks you want him to play. I think that they, this was like one of the, the most um, thoroughly well-planned out games that we've seen from this old dynasty. It felt like they knew how they wanted to attack New York and mm-hmm. New York's a lot of rookies. I think that's something that can't be understated too for players in like key positions right like friday is brand new um flora as well 
Um, and then you have guys that that you're kind of expecting a little bit more from, and I don't think you're quite getting it yet. Like Ivy and Yakpung, I think there needs to be a bit more from them specifically. And and Jonat can't do everything by himself. It's just what it is. Shanghai Dragons 3-2 over Hangzhou Spark. Hangzhou looking better this week, for sure. I know Shy's gotten a lot more playtime, which I know you have to be excited about. Yes. And then... They seem to be they seem to be getting going in a better direction as well. They they seem to kind of be figuring out like who should be playing in what position. Like we we saw that we we got a lot of shy, which I thought was really good. Um, I think shy is sort of you know maybe getting over the first game. Maybe had a little bit of those jitters, so it's nice to see shy play a lot of the game. Um, the the biggest things that I'm still curious about is uh, we still haven't seen coldest yet. Um, I, I still keep wondering why we haven't seen coldest, but they make it three, two against Shanghai, who, I mean, I guess people weren't, weren't sure what to think of Shanghai after they lose to the Chengdu hunters in the first week. But I think Shanghai, especially these last few games are showing why they are um, going to be a team that everybody will be talking about the entire year. It also seems like they found the regular spot where they want to put DM in. Yeah. He, we saw him on Boldful Sky and on King's Row. So it's less of like the, all right, here's the one DM map and more of, all right, so we're going to put DM in for these specific strats. For these types of maps, maps where you're going to have more of that long range hit scan be played and stuff like maps where, where Ash is important, like uh, maps where where little makes sense to have somebody who's a little bit more of a hit scan specialist than somebody who can play some of the other stuff. Although then again, like I watch some of these other games and I'm like, you might be able to just keep lip in the entire time and be fine. Like if, if he just synergizes better with the rest of the team, and this is coming from somebody who's kind of a DM Stan, like it might be worth it just to play lip the entire time. You might, uh, it might yield better results because the, the maps where, where lip is in, there's just like a different dynamic to the team. It feels like I wonder if we're going to get to the end of the year where like people are going to have the same, like where's Erster, where's Erster, but it's not even going to be because of fighting. It's going to be because be because he's behind Fleta and lip and DM. Like what heroes do you put him on? Well, that's the thing too, is like that. That's one where I'm not even sure. Like, Maybe where you need like somebody to play like a Hanzo or a Tracer and then like you need like Fleta with like his everything he plays like you need mm -hmm. somebody to play more of those than like Lip who can play like the Sombra more so and like the Widowmaker. So I think there's maybe like an, a small niche where he would like fit in, but mm -hmm. I just don't think we've seen it where it's like come up where it's like you want somebody with his skill set. I do think that he has a place. It's just whether or not the the meta, so to speak, is going to play into Shanghai's favor where they would put him in. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong. How much May is Shanghai playing? Because you would think like May was who he played all of last year. They're, they're, they've played some like, but you have Fleta. Like, yeah, that's the thing that's... is like you have Fleta. So like you don't you don't really need Erster to play the May for you when you have somebody who can play more than just the May on those maps. And can play the May at a high level. So if like, like maybe if like May was like absolutely positively the only thing, then maybe you see him in there because you can just put him on that. You don't have to worry about him having to switch off of it. But mm -hmm. that's why I think it's going to be situational with whether or not Erster gets in. And I think it's the same way for DM too. Like 
if if the maps hadn't been like favorable for this one type of situation, you probably don't see DM playing. And and again, you might see them just decide to stay with Fleta and Lip the entire time as we're watching Lip just duel with a guy like Carpe. For sure. One with how like with how stacked both those teams are, it's a wonder that we get to see anybody besides like Fleta and Carpe play for both of them. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's um <laughs> Fleta and Carpe. Both pretty darn good, and I—I I mean, I don't think either of them have come out yet for Philly or Shanghai specifically. Boston versus London Spitfire. Boston takes this one three-two. Uh, finally gets their first match win on the board. They don't get to make May melee, but at least you feel like you have some momentum going. London playing a little bit better in this one, but London overall kind of had a had a pretty rough weekend, if I have to say. You have, I think you have London and Vancouver kind of competing for the bottom two teams. Um, I don't even know. Like, it's hard to say if LA Valiant is better than those two teams or not, but they might be. Like, there's an, there is a possibility, there's a realm where the LA Valiant might actually be able to beat both London and Vancouver. Th- those are your bottom three teams, though London, Los Angeles, Valiant, and Vancouver Titans. Uh, Boston has at least separated themselves. It feels like maybe a little bit from there, but -hmm. not by a lot. Like that was still a tough fought game that they had to do just to get over London. Um, We'll talk about it more. We'll talk about London more when we talk about their match against the defiant, but going, going into the next one, San Francisco shock three Oh, over Florida mayhem. Uh, A lot of people kind of came into this with this. Oh, like, I think the quote I kept seeing and the meme I kept seeing was like, oh, the shock are angry. Like you bet like this is what happens when the shock lose. Like they come on the war path and that happened for the most part. Like Florida's a good team. They got three L by Florida or sorry, by, um, by San Francisco. Yeah. But say, we'll talk more about them in a little bit. Uh, anything on that game before we go on to uh, define versus justice. Well, th- that was like the game where I was like, okay, Seems like San Francisco has some things figured out, at least against Florida. They do. But Florida also plays a little bit more conventionally than other teams. So maybe that was just the whole thing is like San Francisco knows how to play against teams that they get a lot more time to prepare for the comps that they're going to be playing. And and that was a little bit of a surprise to me with what happens later. But I thought San Francisco looked really good against Florida. Toronto Defiant versus Justice uh, again. We already talked about that. This is a highlight story, but I did want to mention as well. We kind of saw the clash where Justice really liked to run that double wobble comp with the Winston and Toronto was trying to kind of favor that rush style with the Reinhardt. And I think we started to get little bits of what, what happens more with the Justice where Mag is great on that on the Winston, but the Reinhardt isn't up to that same level yet. And at the same time with Toronto, like they don't have the coordination that's there to like totally pull off a double bubble dive. I think. Yeah. Coordination. I I just also think you have somebody so extremely talented on Winston that like, you're just not going to be able to compete if you're Sato and Michelle, like you just can't compete with mag and fury. I think that's just a, a tank lineup where you're just in a losing situation regardless. And luckily I think in part, maybe for Washington on this map, you have the fact that you're playing, you know, Oasis dive works on pretty much everywhere on Oasis, except for university temple of Anubis dive works there. No problem. 
Blizzard World, you you can play dive the entire time. You don't have to play rush, but they, they didn't really need to get to Dorado or Nepal where you can still make dive work really well. I think it was a very favorable map uh, maps for them in this one. So I think that's one of the unfortunate parts for Toronto. But as we talked about at the beginning, this did feel like, you know, that Toronto maybe isn't quite there yet to compete with those top teams. They just need to work on things a little more. Seoul Dynasty 3-0 over LA Valiant. Pretty straightforward. Guangzhou Charge falls 3-0 to the Hangzhou Spark. Hangzhou getting their first win on the board. Labosco, are we still mad that we haven't seen Liga yet playing off tank for the Spark? I, I'm i not as mad about that as I am confused about uh why we haven't why why is it that we don't know anything about coldest like why why is it that he is a guy who had been hyped up a long time ago what what is keeping him out of the lineup for that um that flex support spot that's still my biggest question like it's been a straight year of that too like because we he got brought on last year and we're like yeah he'll take the spot from Bebe. it'll be chill and he's barely seen the field at all I've always liked Bernard, so like the the off tank thing is not as big of a question for me than than the coldest question. So I, I'm not as upset about it as uh, maybe other people are, but I, I kind of like that they seem to sort of settle in here with I think it was what So Minsu got to play a lot and shy, mm-hmm. um, and then architect as well. Like So Minsu, shy and architect. And then you still have Godsby as well. Like, I think they're maybe figuring out a little bit more like how they want to play their DPS. And and this game in particular felt like them kind of like maybe leveling up a little bit, but it's still the charge who are probably the second worst team in, in the in the le- in the the East region. Mm-hmm. But like the charge, too, it's like they have too much talent to be like playing as bad as they are. I feel like I feel like that's that's the biggest question for me as far as an APAC team is I thought that they with who they had picked up that they could have been better than this uh, rounding out the Saturday games Shanghai Dragons 3-0 over New York Florida Mayhem 3-1 over Paris Eternal Toronto Defiant 3-1 over the London Spitfire um, and then San Francisco Shock 3-2 over the Atlanta Rain quick note about the Spitfire Lobo is it we're one stage in zero wins four losses is it time to sound the alarm on london i will give them like a half a stage more right because we or i'll give them one more stage because we have or no we have four stages so if they can't get a win at all during june june's tournament then yeah i think it's time to sound the alarm i don't think we're there quite yet but i think we're getting really close because you're you're getting three one by toronto who is definitely a mid-tier team as of right now and like toronto didn't seem to struggle too much and like yeah the one map that they lose is kind of bad from toronto but there's still a lot more to be desired from london and there's a lot more expectations too well i think part of it too is those guys come in from contenders having won consistently in europe for such a long time and then you come in here i think with all these personal expectations of yourself and then you're hitting the floor as soon as you start and well, I know that has to be damaging to your mental at least a little bit. But you're also not playing like you you don't have everybody from that team that was super dominant in Europe contenders, right? Like like that's that's one of the Sparker things too. Sh- I was going to say Sparker should be of legal age by the time. No, I'm talking about like they did not take the entire Hurricane roster and bring it up. Like that's not what they oh. did. 
So you're not playing like it's not like they just took a contender's roster and put it in here. Like you you sort of have a mix. So I I, I think the maybe one of the more disappointing things is is maybe they should have tried just bringing that whole roster up and seeing what happens. But either way, it's definitely been a rough start for them and they really need to figure things out once the once the regular season starts back up because it is um you, when you go in four you dig yourself a really big hole. Yes. Yes, you do. And then San Francisco Shock versus Atlanta Rain. This game was really close. It was really, really tight. And this was, I think, the first glimpse we had that San Francisco Shock is mortal right now. This felt more like um, this was weird because this felt to me like the Atlanta Rain brought it super close. And like Atlanta always seems to be able to compete with San Francisco in a weird way, if that makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like San Francisco, like one of the, the banes of their existence is Atlanta. And that's what this f- series felt like. Well, and I think so they're they're super tight with them for that entire series. And then I think once they get shut out on Havana, they get full held. I think it's enough to just sway stuff the other way. That's what it ends up being, right? Because the next two maps go straight over to San Francisco, where they just j- j- just beat down on Havana and then Nepal. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like, OK, Atlanta, this is what I this is what you want to see, though, right? Like you want to see yes. Atlanta competing with a team like the San Francisco Shock. And to me, it felt like, OK, maybe Atlanta is starting to figure things out for themselves. Maybe they don't have it fully figured out yet. And it sucks because now. They end up missing out on the tournament. So you lose a little bit of those points that you'd otherwise get. You start out one and three. But as far as their one and three goes, you look at who they had to play. They had a really tough start of the season. So I, I think that they're in a much better spot than, say, somebody like the other team we saw play this. Uh, his first quarter of the season that we just talked about in London, right? Because they had tough games that they had to to try and play. And the, the big the most worrying one was the defiant one. but against better teams like the Mayhem and the Shock, there there at least was a little bit more there than the game against the Defiant. So I, I don't think that they they worry yet. They've got too much talent. But again, this is the same narrative we always have with Atlanta, and we're just reliving it again another year. Atlanta's stuck in Groundhog Day, it feels like. Um, yeah. So these knockout games for today, for Sunday, were super, super hype. I... I misunderstood how these kind of worked. I thought these would be part of the main melee tournament and then there'd be a second week where everybody went to Hawaii. But instead they did not, they did um, the top six teams all played today. And then from there, well, six in North America, top four in APAC. And then from there, no top six, right? Am I wrong? No top four, excuse me, in APAC. Yeah. Top four in APAC because they don't have enough to do top six for APAC. So uh, going through these games, APAC first, Shanghai Dragons 3-2 over the Philadelphia Fusion. We covered it with one of our with our highlight story at the beginning, but still, this is a super, super tight game. And everybody expected Philly to, to be the team on top, too. I think that's the bigger part of this, because Shanghai wasn't looking like the Shanghai of last year. So it, the team that like has come in sort of angry and on a mission seems to be the team in Shanghai, who, of course, have a lot that they need to live up to from last year, finishing not even in second place. So a super good showing from them. But for Philadelphia, I mean, they're for real. Like whenever they get their other players, I don't know if it matters or not. 
I think mm-hmm. that I think Shanghai and Philly were probably the two best teams in APAC, and they just unfortunately had to play each other at the beginning because uh, Shanghai feels like they're on the rise. Although then again, like the next game, like both teams definitely have an argument too. Although I think one of them a little bit more than the other. Well, because Chengdu Hunters take the win and move on 3-1 over the Seoul Dynasty. Labasco, we got to see Farway 1987 finally. And he uh, played pretty darn good. <laughs> he, I, Listen, I, I, the, the most amazing part about him finally getting in is you just look at the kill feed. It's like, oh, Farway 1987, another kill on Zen. Oh, Farway 1987, another kill on Zen. Like the first like two minute, like first minute he, he didn't play well, though. And I think it was just jitters or something being in his first Overwatch League game, because after that, he like settles in and then it's like, oh, they can't they can't deal with him. He's just killing everybody. What is Soul going to do? Like Prophet can't get to him. What's going on? Well, he wasn't the only one, too, that we were that we were surprised to see because they brought out Evil Tall and Among for the first time all season. Granted, they've only played two weeks, but still like. I didn't think with how well Gaga's been playing, I don't think any of us expected to see Among anytime soon. Yeah, I, I didn't expect to see him. He played fine, though. Like, he didn't do mm-hmm. anything bad. Like, he they they won the map that he comes in for. Same thing with, uh, you know, Yveltal as well. So I don't know if this is going to be their strategy going forward that they do this on their control maps or they play this, like, different roster. Maybe they like the aggression of it or something because it was Jimmy and Leave as well. Like, we, up until this point, we had been seeing a lot of Jinmu be the guy mm. coming in for control maps and, and kind of playing a lot of the time anyways, but specifically on control, we had seen a lot more Jinmu. So I don't know if this is them just trying to throw something different at Seoul or if this was a, you know, something that they want to continue to do as they move on. But it looked good. But the the rest of their roster, I think, looked better when we got back to, oh, yeah. We're going to have in Gaga and then we're going to have leave and Jimmy and then Jinmu when we need him. Although I don't even think they played Jinmu. Jinmu didn't play at all. At all. Like, like they only had they didn't even need Jinmu for this, which is crazy to think about because like Jinmu had been like on a tear and it was like, yeah, we don't need him. Like the the maps we're playing on, it's, it works better without him. So when you think after. His far kind of got figured out last week a little bit where like, it, yeah. just, it made sense. Two things to, t- to ask about this match really quick. Do we think do we think that having Among and having Among and um Eveltal in made any sort of big difference for the Soul Dynasty? Like they weren't prepared for it? I don't know. I, I don't think that was really the difference. I think Far Away 1987 was the difference in Leave. I think Leave was like the, I don't know if he ended up being the player of the match for this one. But in my mind, from what I saw, he was the player of the match. So I think the biggest difference was leave outperforming profit. And and then uh, far away, 1987, just stunting on him in the first map. But then the rest of the way, um, I think Gaga and Elsa, Gaga and Elsa tank duo making a big difference the rest of the way. Can we finally agree that Elsa has been criminally underrated this whole time? And maybe it's because he had to play off tank with among for this whole for his entire watch league career i think it's because of the style that they would play where it like what elsa was doing wasn't really the focal point and now that we get to see him play like zarya and stuff he's like just just beaming guys down and just showing why he is such a good off tank so i think yeah you can say he was underrated 
You love to see it. So they're coming yeah. in angry into the May Melee. Going over our North America games, these were all really fun. And these were all really good. Like, even though all except one of them are three O's, these were really good games to watch. They were very entertaining. Florida Mayhem versus Toronto Defiant. Uh, 3-0 for Florida Mayhem. You kind of, it felt like watching this. For one, Yaki is just on a, on another planet, and they really knew to punish the mistakes, like the timing mistakes or coordination mistakes that Toronto would have. Um, you saw them really focusing on punishing Nice a lot, and really kind of isolating Sato. Toronto had like no chance. Th- this, I think, was like the most dominant game from any of the teams. Was Florida over Toronto? Although maybe the Dallas games, you can say, may have had hints of as much domination as this one, but this is like, this is where I think we kind of determined where like the, the gap is between teams, right? Mm-hmm. But like, this is like where it's like, okay, it seems like Florida and then Washington and then Dallas and San Francisco and Houston are kind of above everybody else. And Toronto's Toronto's your team sort of being that break point as of yeah. right now. And, and, and this is what that felt like. This is what it felt like for the game between Florida and Toronto. We're like Toronto didn't really seem to have much of a chance and and they had been playing pretty well up until this point. So I I was definitely impressed with Florida on this day in particular, especially for what they did in their next game. San Francisco, San Francisco shock versus Dallas fuel three Oh for Dallas. This game was a thonker. This was a head scratcher. Um, somebody made the point where I think, Dallas, sorry, San Francisco was all so expectant of, oh, we're going to play Houston. We don't know how true that is, but people kind of put forward the narrative that San Francisco was looking more ahead to Houston, and Dallas just had their number the entire time. There was a, there was like no chance for San Francisco. Like, I, they, they kept Stryker and Nero as their DPS the entire time. No, they did not. Violet came in for Volskaya. Well, other than when they brought in Violet, and. I think people think too much about this whole why are they putting Violet on DPS? Like, if you think about it, if you think about it from the, from the perspective that Violet is the best player in the world and you want to enable him more than anybody else on your team. I will say they would not be doing this if they didn't have Twilight. And that is why this can work. It's because if they didn't have Twilight there, who's arguably one of the best honors in the world back there, this would be a completely different story. That's part but, of it. But the other yeah. part of it is, too, is you're trying to enable him as best as possible. So where is he going to have more of an effect, especially on maps where you, you want to have that Brigitte being played or the other um, the other spot right for your supports? Because I think that's what they did the entire time was they did the Anna Brigitte, which we've seen a lot of teams do. But yeah, like even prior to this, Violet was never really your your Anna player for this team. It was usually Twilight. Or it was Architect when they had Architect, right? Like, he was mm-hmm. never the the Anna player. So you want the best player in the world to still be out there in a position where he can kind of play like he does when he plays Zenyatta. So it makes sense to have him playing McCree. It makes sense to have him playing other things where you can still have him be that. Is it the right decision? That's up for debate. From this, you can say maybe it's not. Maybe it's better to just have somebody who's used to playing in that role like Glister and just let him try and compete with the players that are on the Dallas Fuel. But I understand why San Francisco would do something like this. From 
just a competitive perspective. The best player in the world, a lot of people agree, is Violet. How do you keep him out there? That's one way to do it. Otherwise, you got to play like Anna Zen, and they just don't seem like they want to do that. I think they want that we, we see how important like Lucio is right now and then being able to play Brigitte as well. And like, you're not going to have Violet play those. It, well, you just don't have the impact. The two things I think about Bad Pachamari put out a tweet. It's like, all right, guys, I'll see you in a month. I'm going to go deep into the Amazon rainforest to find to find wherever the heck Glister went off to. <laughs> right. I, but, but that's again, I, look at you have to look at it from the perspective of the San Francisco shock wanting to keep the best player in the world in on every single map. That's well, again, I mean, I why you might be able to see that change going forward, but you under like it's understandable why they would do it to this point, especially because it has worked before in some of their games prior. So oh, I agree with you there. Like I th- think there there is there is, you know, evidence to say that that what they were doing has merit. I think people saying there's no merit to it is the part that's stupid. Well, and you saw it worked when they were on the McCree. I think where you started to see it kind of fall apart a little bit today was when he felt like he switched onto the Echo. Well, she didn't necessarily do a bad job, but you could kind of get the sense that it was not like a comfort pick for him. It wasn't something he was able to just slot really easily and seamlessly into. I wonder if it changes if they have a mercy with him, because I don't think they played any mercy with him when he did switch to the Echo. Not to my knowledge, I don't think so. so. Like, what what changes if if he gets to play Echo with a Mercy? Like, does he play it better? Right? Because like one thing we got to see for Sparkle is he got to play Feral with the. Of course, he plays with the Mercy, right? And like mm-hmm. his Feral wasn't perfect or anything, but it still was able to do some damage. So, does he play better if he gets that opportunity? I don't know. the The, the point remains. We've talked a lot about San Francisco, but now it's time to talk about Dallas. Yeah, because Dallas firing on all cylinders like everybody played incredibly well. Like we saw a super good game. Sparkle has to go up against Stryker, has to go up against Nero, has to go up against all these incredible tracers today. And he he outperforms pretty much all of them. Mm -hmm. Doha played incredibly well, too, on whatever they wanted Doha on the tank line, I think. Fearless and Hanbin had a much better week this week than we've seen them have at all this season so far. It's obviously still early, but still, that to me was one of the big difference makers. And then their support line, they're like, yeah, we're just going to keep Fielder in all day today, finally, which was something I was happy to see. Fielder was awesome this weekend, and he gets like player of the match for the game against Houston, but he was just so, so good this whole time. He was. He was a, a difference maker. And that's why you want somebody like him out there the entire time, because he can make a difference on the Anna. He can also play the Zen, too. I think we don't see that as much. But the Anna specifically, like you understand why Fielder should be just be out there the entire time. Like his Anna is next level for sure. Moving to our first uh, our first group going to. Hawaii Florida mayhem three one over Washington justice. This one was not, this one was like, it, it was tight in some spaces, but it did feel like Florida were the distinctly better team. Well, the, the weird thing was, is like, okay, what's the one map we saw actually be a win for the mayhem. It was Volskaya, right? Or for Washington, you mean, or for Washington, sorry for Washington. The one map we see them win was Volskaya industries. Mm-hmm. And then you think about like, okay, what does decay want to play? He wants to play like Tracer or, you know, something. He he doesn't really want to play the McCree. Yeah. 
yeah, anything but the McCree. You, you you have him there. That's what Jerry's for, sort of to play the McCree or whatever. So this is where everything that their team likes to do seems to work best here on this map. The other map choices, like King's Row, it ends up being a choice for Florida. Like you can play, you can play the the Reinhardt composition that they want to play with OG there, no problem. Same thing with Oasis. Oasis, like you can dive on almost every map except for for University, but Gardens, you can still make Rush work. So mm. they they were able to make Rush work, and they were able to win Oasis. Volskaya, choice of Washington. They get to go to a map where they can basically play Winston the entire time. Then it's back to, guess what? Florida's pick. Benefits of winning the first map. You get the last map to pick, always. They win King's Row, which is going to clearly be a Reinhardt-centric map. Like, sure, you can play Winston, but we know what's going to be stronger there. Dorado mm-hmm. ends up being the choice for Washington. And this was like the most confusing part for me. Although thinking about like their choices for escort maps, I don't know if there's a better choice to have for a team that wants to play Winston. Like there's there's not besides Gibraltar, maybe like Gibraltar, G- Gibraltar's your best choice. So I, I guess that's the biggest confusion is like, why didn't you go to Gibraltar? Because like the beginning of Dorado. It's a little bit harder to make the the dive work because you're diving onto the high ground where you, the team can easily control and they have plenty of space also to kite back in a way like mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that makes the defense work a lot better there compared to the uh, compared to other maps. But but again, like the, the point that that matters most usually for dive on Dorado is the last one. We don't even get there. We don't get there because they can't get past the first point. And that was, yeah. I think, the craziest part about this, like. You could not deal with what they were doing. And there was a couple of moments where it looked like they were an OGE comes through in a big way. Like th- there was some hero plays that came out from the Florida mayhem, too. So it wasn't just like, played, OK. What's that? He played. Su- oh, I was just going to say he played super, super well today. Yeah, he he did. He he had himself a quite the game. And then, of course, Yaki and Gang Yumjin as well. Slime played super good. And then BQB too. I thought BQB was um, an unsung hero a little bit at times too, being able to deal with Jerry quite a bit because those were the two that were kind of going at each other a lot. And he got the better of Jerry, it seemed like, more often than not. Mm -hmm. Someone made the point that like Fate, when he was in the Mayhem, he's a lot more of a consistent, even tempo like kind of player. He's very, very like... He's very, very consistent, whereas OG is more of a playmaker and somebody who can be really aggressive in certain spaces. And who is a better main support for that guy than the guy who was main support for Bumper back when he was on the Vancouver Titans? Like this, <laughs> they they out-tempoed them a lot is what it feels like. It felt like, too. Right. Well, the, and that's that's like the benefit of playing the rush down comp, right? Because you you're literally rushing the players on the other team and, and they were able to control the flow of the game as a result and you weren't you just weren't getting those picks that you always would necessarily expect from decay and jerry but that's in part because mag is just falling so much sooner than he normally would where if he's playing the winston so mm-hmm. the, the biggest well, thing for washington is like you, you go away from from maps where you can play winston what happens oh yeah they, mag got exposed whenever it was non-winston maps and even on certain Winston maps, it felt like when he felt pressured to make the hero play, they were ready for him and they could they could capitalize on it a lot more than teams that Washington's played previously, like Toronto or like Boston. 
that that's the other thing too, right? The only team, real team that Washington really played up until this point, I guess you could say Toronto maybe, but then we kind of figured out that uh, maybe they're not quite that level was Dallas. And that was when Dallas was still trying to figure everything out, right? So they 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 didn't have the same benefits that other teams had. Uh, or they didn't play the same level of teams that other teams had for Washington. So they had a little bit easier of a time going into this. And then Florida gave them, I think, their first real challenge of the season. And they just maybe weren't ready for it. You got to imagine Mag is just going to be grinding Reinhardt and ranked like all <laughs> the next couple of weeks. Um, He's not a bad Reinhardt either. So like he was a decent Reinhardt prior to this. So I, I'm a little surprised that he was having as bad of a game as he did. Final game of this weekend for our second North America team. Uh, Dallas Fuel 3-0 over Houston Outlaws. And I think coming off of the San Francisco Shock match, Dallas comes in with so much heat and it just never lets up. And it's not even a thing where Houston played particularly badly as much as Dallas just had their number and was clicking on every single cylinder. This is one of those things that I was really curious because like one of the big things is, okay, first matchups happen. But when the second matchup happens, how do you adjust to what a team had done prior? And and then how do you change to one play better if you're Dallas, but also if you're Houston, how do you how do you prepare for that? Right. Like, how are you ready for whatever the counterpunch that Dallas is going to come forward with after what they tried before didn't work? They didn't seem to know how to deal with the Symmetra that got a lot of playing from time from Dallas, where Sparkle Dude. was literally just melting everybody the, like the, and the way that they had it especially on blizzard world what they were tp'ing like every minute and a half every 45 seconds so you constantly had to be like scoping out like okay wait they moved over there let's reset reset like reorient ourselves every time you give dallas credit for that though too because that's yes creativity on their part no that's a great strat they did it that was awesome right and, and it was clearly planned like they knew how they wanted to play and there was a couple times where houston would like had ways that they wanted to counter things, but then Dallas had a way to counter what they were trying to do. I think the best example is the last map we get on Blizzard World, right? So both teams are able to complete the map. Houston is prepared for what Dallas did last time with the teleporters. So they move their composition into a place where they can meet them early on and don't allow them to have the positioning that they did. Dallas sees this, and instead of putting the teleporter right to the point, they put it on the high ground behind, control the high ground, win the game. That was that was one of the cool things to see from Dallas is that they weren't like a one-trick pony with what they were doing. They had plans based on whatever was going to be happening where the enemy team was going, right? It wasn't just like, okay, this is the plan, that's it. No, it's like, okay, if they do this, we do this. So that that goes to show their preparation on the compositions that they were playing. And sure, Houston is a team that doesn't get as much time to play against these compositions because the only time you're going to play it right now is if you're playing against Dallas, at least right now. It's a copycat league. We might see teams start to copy some of the stuff that Dallas is doing. Well, and let's look at we have our May Melee, our actual like May Melee standings. Well, not standings, sorry, our May Melee schedule going forward. So Dallas and Florida are going to Hawaii for North America. And then they're going to be playing across the special connection with Chengdu and Shanghai. For one, people have made the point about this. How cool is it that Element Myst, like pretty much the Element Mystic Boys, and then the team that has the most runaway players on it, get to make <laughs> it up into this next the next stage? Yeah, it's going to be fun to to watch. Um, I, I'm excited for these matchups because 
Chengdu and Dallas are the teams that are the teams that sort of play unconventionally and they play each other first. And we we can see some probably like really crazy compositions come out. Not that we've been seeing anything super crazy from Chengdu, except they play a lot more ball than everybody else. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how like a team that doesn't really have hit scan interacts with a team that runs a lot of wrecking ball. Like that'll be really crazy and fun to watch. And then of course you have Shanghai and Florida who, as far as that matchup's concerned, they're, they're two teams that seem to have a little bit more flexibility than a lot of the teams we've been seeing up until this point. And um, they, they kind of know who they are as an identity as well. So I think both first games that we get are going to be tough, but also fun to watch. So if we're going to do like some mini predictions right here, who do you have winning Shanghai versus Florida? Shanghai. It's hard to not pick Shanghai after what they did to Philly. Mm. You know, like, like how, how do I go against that? I can't. Yeah. Florida or Philly was clearly the best team and probably the best team in the league up until that point. At least that was the thought. So I, I give the edge to Shanghai here, but I, I do think that this can be a pretty darn good game. Between, do we think Chengdu has what it takes to stop the Dallas Fuels momentum? I don't know. I think that they might because I think that they have a little bit more flexibility um, to deal with some of this stuff and they actually have the ability to play hit scan. Although they also don't have the proclivity to hit scan that Dallas has. So. I can definitely see Dallas winning this too. This is the hardest one I think to pick is Chengdu versus Dallas. Because well, let, let's think about it. Like Chengdu getting here, I think is maybe a little bit more expected, but who expected Dallas to be here? So mm-hmm. I think Dallas definitely has the potential to beat Chengdu. I just don't know if it's going to come to fruition or not. And then do you think, can we, can we just ex- imagine how cool it would be for Fearless to get to face his old team in Shanghai? That would for be the, cool. For May Melee Finals. By the way, we haven't talked about Fearless, but Fearless was phenomenal as well for Dallas uh, today. Uh, Fearless run, was probably the best. During the games. Probably the best performer this whole weekend, I would think. If not, like, one of the best. Like, he, he was an absolute, him and Fielder, both. Yeah. So, the the biggest thing here, I think, for the Dallas Fuel game is who wins control. I think that's what a lot of it hinders on, because I think that when you, you get to pick maps, like you, you feel pretty good based on whoever gets to pick the map uh, that they might be able to come back. But I think winning that first control is going to, to be a big difference maker. And then if you had to make one pick to take this entire tourney. Okay, I want to pick. I want to pick Dallas. I really want to pick Dallas, but I think it's going to be Shanghai. I was expecting that. (laughs) I I think Shanghai will be the ones that end up winning out. But honestly, I I can see any of these four teams winning. Like, like I really believe that this is going to be. There's a lot of proof. I think this tournament's going to be very good proof that like there's a lot of parity right now in the league at the top with Mm -hmm. the top teams. So. I definitely see a path for Florida to win it all and Chengdu and Dallas other than Shanghai. But I'm going like my head says Shanghai. My heart says Dallas. But my head also is like, yeah, Dallas can maybe do it, though, too. But again, they don't have a hit scan player and that still scares the crap out of me. But the fact that they're still winning like this without a hit scan player also scares me. So 
I I don't know what to think. If you want to catch the May Melee games, you can find it. So they're going to start at a different time. Uh, it's going to be Thursday, May 6th at 7 p.m. Pacific time for Dragons versus Mayhem. And then 8.30 p.m. Pacific time that same day for Dallas versus Chengdu. And then we're going to get three more games to determine what the final matchup is going to be. Friday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, and 9 p.m. Pacific. And then Saturday, May 8th at 6 p.m. Pacific is when we're going to be we're going to get our May Melee uh, tournament final. It's cool. These games are all like a prime time time for us here in the U.S. I do kind of feel bad for the teams that are going to be playing overseas because like it's going to be pretty early for them. Like not super early, but early enough where it's like it's not going to be fun. Mm hmm. Well, and we'll be watching those games in the background while we do Master's Buttons game night this Saturday at exactly the same time, 6 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I guess it won't be too, too early, but early enough, right? Like Early enough for them. But yeah, for sure. It, it'll be fun to see how this all finishes out, but I'm excited for this first tournament. Anything else you want to touch on, Lobo, before we close up for the night? It's been a, a, a very good first week. I'm excited to see where things go next. Me too. I hope the tournament holds up to the same level of quality but that's going to be it for episode 101 of push the point thank you guys so much for coming through if you're here on stream with us we appreciate the heck out of it and if you're listening on your podcast provider we appreciate you too if you want to help us out you can leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice it lets us know what you like uh what we can always be improving on and plus it's a great way to make fun of my ranked performance or to make fun of it when i accidentally pop my knuckles on mic or <laughs> If you want to get in contact with our community of people that we have some cool stuff for, where can they go, Lobo? Discord is the one of the best places that you can go because that's where you're going to be able to play game night. So discord.me slash mash those buttons. It keeps you up to date on all your favorite shows from the network, too. A few of which are going to be able to hear about right after we're done. But more specifically, talking about game night, we play in the mash those buttons discord. That's where we do everything. So join us there. Come play. It's always a lot of fun. The, there's no skill requirements or anything like that doesn't matter if you're the best player in the world or the worst we're, we're just there to have a good time so don't feel like it, it's like ultra competitive it's not that sort of um pugs it's just something where we get to have fun and and sure i get overly competitive anyways but that's beside the point it's still going to be fun anyway and i just yell at ramses that's all it means <laughs> well and we're we're open for all skill levels as well we have like exactly. people of all different levels who can like we play. bronze to never played before to gms like we've had literally everything in our game so don't nobody cares how good you are at the game we're there to have fun so just come and have fun nobody's nobody gets on each other the only thing we ever have is bob complaining that people are are in the chat who aren't playing it's like bob nobody cares so like hi bobby <laughs> yeah we love you bob but but nobody cares you were the only person who did patreon.com slash mash those buttons if you want to support the network directly which is definitely a good thing to do because this network is awesome and allows us to do all this stuff. So as little as a dollar a month and you get access to Patreon exclusive content there. So definitely be sure to support the network if you can. We always, always appreciate it and support the show, of course, by going to at pushpointpod and following us there. You can also tweet at us, whatever you're thinking. If you like the show, uh, obviously you can send us something more long form if you want to, which you can do by going to push the point at gmail.com. And, you know, leave us a nice long email or tell us um, your thesis on why the Chengdu Hunters 
compositions are working so well or whatever. I, I'm just making things up. Just, just, uh, you know, tweet at us, email us, whatever you want to do. If you want to get in contact with Lobo specifically, he is on Twitter at, at Labosco. And you can see me tweeting about, um, how I'm drinking the bears Kool-Aid again. I'm, I'm drinking the bear. I, I thought I was out just when I thought I was out. They bring me back in. The McCaskies bring you back in, dude. <sighs> never bring stops. me back in. And I wasn't ready for it. I didn't know that was going to happen. And now all of a sudden I'm uh, cautiously optimistic for the next season. The Bears. You can find me on Twitter at Ramsey's underscore W where it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of liking pop punk and scene kid content. But we do whatever we can to get through the world these days. <laughs> Um, thanks for thank you guys so much for being here for episode 101 of Push the Point. Uh, we will see you guys next week for our May Melee recap. Be safe. Have a good night. Take care of yourselves. Take care of yourselves. Excuse me. I said yourselves and each other at the same time. But have a good one, you guys, and we will see you later. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 